Chris Garlock here with this week's Labor History Today. On this week's show, Yale Strom remembers WEVD, the Chicago radio station named for labor leader Eugene Victor Debs. Dan Duncan celebrates the founding of the AFL-CIO's Maritime Trades Department. Saul Schneiderman marks the anniversary of the publication of the IWW's Little Red Songbook, which is where all our music this week comes from. And... Ben Blake's Labor History Object of the Week is a collection of posters, including one from the height of the Cold War, showing an AFL-CIO map of forced labor gulags in the Soviet Union. Enjoy the show. Yale Strom. I'm calling from San Diego, California, and I'd just like to say to all the labor-minded folks out there, all the progressives, and just all hard-working women and men, that uh, they should know that on August 18, 1927, the radio station WEVD was named for Eugene Victor Debs, EVD, and it went on the air in New York City, operated by the Forward Association as a memorial to the labor and socialist leader. The Forward, for those who do, do not know, uh, was a Yiddish uh, daily uh, paper, then a weekly, but now it's, it is still online in Yiddish, but of course it is also in English, a progressive leftist newspaper. Uh, my name is Yale Strom, and I just recently directed the film American Socialist, The Life and Times of Eugene Victor Debs. So if you're excited about the DSA and other progressive happenings throughout the United States, we have Eugene Victor Debs to thank. Thank you so much. Enjoy the show. Bye-bye. Are your clothes all torn and tattered? 
Ahoy, sisters and brothers. This is Dan Duncan, the Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Maritime Trades Department of the AFL-CIO. 71 years ago, August 19, 1946, the Maritime Trades Department was created by the AFL to show support and solidarity with the men and women of the Merchant Marine who are fighting to maintain their jobs as the United States was giving away its ships for $1 a vessel after World War II. Thank you for celebrating our anniversary today, and solidarity with all of you. Bye. We will sing one song of the meek and humble slave, strong hand, son of the soil. He is toiling hard from the cradle to the grave, but his master reaps the profit of his toil. And we'll sing one song of the greedy master class, their vagrants in broadcloth indeed. They live by robbing the ever-toiling mass. Human blood is spilled to satisfy their needs. Organize all toilers, come organize your mind. Then we'll sing one song of the workers' commonwealth. Full of beauty, full of love and health. Hi, this is Saul Schneiderman calling from Tacoma Park with a Labor History Today remembrance. On August 19, 1909, the first edition of the IWW Little Songbook was published, and I'm sure many of our listeners have seen or heard of the Little Red Songbook, that little pocket-sized songbook, which is now in its 38th edition. And this reflected the singing tradition of the IWW. And although the first edition came out in 1909, uh, singing was a tradition in the Wobblies for years before that, and it probably started uh, with street singing because the IWW activists would go out to a street corner and they would see that the uh, Salvation Army was there uh, trying to get converts. And by the way, the Salvation Army were, were notable singers also. And so in order to lure away workers from the Salvation Army onto the IWW street corners where they would be convinced um, of their point of view by a, a wobbly soapboxer, the um, song was used, the song parody was used, to turn the sallies, as they were called, into wobblies. Now, a song parody is written to a popular tune, and it's done to imitate or to ridicule, your, in this case, your class enemy. And everybody knows that Joe Hill was one of the great composers of the IWW. So he would take a, a um, Salvation Army in, uh, hymn, like the Sweet By and By, and turn it into a wobbly song. So when they would sing... In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. And Joe rewrote it as, You will eat by and by, in that glorious land up in the sky, way up high. Work and pray, live on hay. 
you'll get pie in the sky when you die. That's a lie. So go out and buy an IWW Little Red Songbook. It's for sale. $5 from the IWW website. And go sing out for justice and fan the flames of discontent. Come with us, you working men, and join the rebel band. Come, you discontented ones, and give a helping hand. We march against the parasite to drive him from the land. With one big industrial union. Hurrah, hurrah, we're gonna paint her red. Hurrah, hurrah, the ways clear ahead. We're gaining shop democracy and liberty and bread. With one big industrial union. Next up is this week's Labor History Object of the Week with archivist Ben Blake as we continue our exploration deep into the George Meany Labor Archives at the University of Maryland College Park. All right, so we're uh, in the flat files again, and these are um, posters. And wow, what, what, uh, what on earth is this, Ben? <laughs> yeah, this is kind of from a bygone era of um, the Cold War era. This is a map of the Soviets' uh, gulag, the uh, prison labor camps in the Soviet Union. And this was produced as part of a campaign by um, the Free Trade Union Committee in the, um, I believe it's early 50s, it's dated... Uh, 1951. Um, so this was a labor campaign uh, against the prison labor camps in the Soviet Union, you know, that developed under Stalin and then uh, continued on. Um, and it's a, it's just fascinating. It's this, uh, and we'll, we'll post a photo of this so you can see it, but, you know, it's this map of Russia and it's got these little um, sort of uh, hammer and sickles marking all the different labor camps. The title is Gulag, Slavery Incorporated, Documented Map of Forced Labor Camps in Soviet Russia, prepared for the Free Trade Union Committee of the American Federation of Labor. And then on the top, it looks like, I guess those must be uh, maybe ID cards from a labor camp. Is that what maybe those are? So. Yeah. Um, and it's got some text in about six-point type. Hard to read here. Oh, wow, and some photos of um, uh, emaciated children, gulag children. Um, so what what would have been done with something like this? I think this, um, so this was created uh, officially by the AFL uh, in 1951, and I think it was part of a campaign to try to put pressure on the Soviet Union to eliminate these camps and close down these camps. And it was kind of, if you think about it, that's kind of really the height of the Cold War. So it kind of shows the relationship between the labor movement at that time, particularly the AFL, that was very much aligned with U.S. foreign policy and uh, the Cold War, the U.S., uh, uh, the, basically the competition between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. It's just a really uh, a fascinating and, and very uh, sort of official-looking uh, uh, document here. I mean, I, I guess poster, I guess, is, is more accurate. Yes, yes. It's definitely a poster that um, would have been used. I'm not sure exactly who, you know, who would have put it up 
and where. Uh, it's kind of an educational poster, so it probably might have been distributed, say, to schools or. I was just thinking that you know, I could see this going yeah. in the classroom. Yeah, I think that that probably likely would be the use of it, was the use of it. Let's take a look at, uh, at one more underneath here. looks like something from the mine workers. This is one that uh, our friend Saul Schneiderman, who, who, who knows all things Mother yeah. Jones, uh, would be very excited to see. It's, um, it, it looks like a, uh, it's a, a poster, obviously a very old poster because it's extremely uh, uh, brown and sort of uh, aged here. Um, and it's a 42nd annual memorial demonstration uh, in Mount Olive, Illinois, which, of course, uh, is where Mother Jones is buried. And this is the monument. And, and Saul, of course, and many of us have, have been to this memorial. Um, what can you tell us about this? And they have an interesting uh, speaker here. Well, it looks like the keynote speaker is, or featured speaker is William Green, who was president at, uh, then of the uh, American Federation of Labor. So uh, it looks like they have a variety of other speakers from the union, uh, and it looks like a really major event. And it's a big, big poster, like a newsprint poster, so they probably produced thousands of these and distributed them all over the Chicago area and the Midwest, I bet. Yeah, it's huge, actually. It's a, it's a very large poster, uh, almost almost on a newsprint. And then uh, they've got the Mount Olive Band furnishing music during the day. In case of rain, entire program would be held at the high school. Um, so pretty, uh, pretty fancy thing. And sponsored uh, by the Progressive Mine Workers of America and the Women's Auxiliary of the PMW of A. Yes. Yeah, it looks like uh, really... It's really interesting because I think the Progressive Mine Workers were a faction within the uh, United Mine Workers. Uh, they were at at one point they were kind of a break off, but then I think reunited with the mine workers, uh, particularly around the struggles of the nineteen I think nineteen thirties. Yeah, and and it's cool because it's it's a very old fashioned post in terms of it's all about the type. You got this large blocky type, you know, memorial demonstration, Mount Olive, Illinois, Sunday, October thirteenth, nineteen forty, uh, Grand Union Labor Parade, nine thirty a.m. Prominent speakers, you know, and then these sort of smallish. I mean, these days, like the photos, mm-hmm. you know, photos of Mother Jones would be really big, and, and a photo of the memorial itself, which is almost but not quite postcard, you know postage stamp size whereas you know and uh, the, the text is huge yes and you think 1940 so it's on the eve of uh, World War II mm-hmm. and you would have had the coal mining industry probably was was doing quite well and uh, there was uh, you know the the miners were growing and uh, this would have been in the context of a very uh, powerful coal miners movement so we have to do some research, and I'm curious about this demonstration. I'll, I'll call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Ben. Okay, thank you, Chris. Cool. Long-haired preachers come out every night. They try to tell you what's wrong right but when asked about something to read they will answer in voices so sweet
Labor History Today is produced by the Metro Washington Council's Union City Radio and the comment of its initiative for labor and the working poor at Georgetown University. Labor history sources include Today in Labor History from Union Communication Services. This week's labor music was all drawn from versions of songs from the IWW's Little Red Songbook, first published on August 19, 1909. We heard Hold the Fort by Pete Seeger and the Almanac Singers, Dump the Bosses Off Your Back by Anne Feeney, We Will Sing One Song by John Paul Wright, one Big Industrial Union by the Mayday Chorus of Asheville, and The Preacher and the Slave by Mischief Brew. As always, we hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Labor History Today. Please spread the word by liking us on your favorite podcast app. And if you'd like to contribute a labor history item, just shoot us an email at laborhistorytoday at gmail.com, and we'll send you details on how you can be part of the podcast. For Labor History Today, this has been Chris Garlock. Thanks for listening, keep making history, and see you next week. If you work hard throughout day and night, we'll try to get something good in this life. You're a sinner and a battle may tell, and when you die, you will go straight to hell. Straight to hell! But you'll Chop some